Okay, well, here we go. Welcome to The Ground Beneath Grace. It's been a while since we've been here. So long, we thought we'd do our intro twice, so this is our second time doing it. Uh, we Please have missed you. Mention our sponsor. <laughs> we can't mention our sponsor. We could say it's here, but then people might Google search and they'll go. Good thing we're not filmed. We're isn't not on that, YouTube. It's good. Are you sure that you can drink that? <laughs> I guess we'll, we'll see. We'll leave that now to what anyone would interpret what's at our table. It's non-alcoholic. Let me just preface that. But uh, welcome to Ground Beneath Grace. Uh, we are back. We missed you. We hope that those many of you <laughs> missed us. Missed us. That's our prayer. <laughs> and and too long. This pandemic, believe it or not, is still happening. So we are just uh, going to be here, and we're going to get back on some stuff uh, tonight. Uh, Joey. Uh, We've been discussing the things a little bit off grid, but uh, why don't you tell, tell us tonight, Joey, we're just going to jump back into, you know, getting back to work here and uh, tell us a little bit about what we will be discussing tonight. Sure. So for me, it's something I've been thinking about lately is, um, are we doing enough for me, myself? Uh, do we do enough to get into heaven? What does it take? The steps? Are there steps? Uh, we've got some scripture outlined that I'd like to go over. And kind of, we can kind of interpret. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, and it's actually, I think, inspired by one of your, your last sermons, but that was a long time ago. Uh, and, but I started thinking about that. I remember when we were. Uh, yeah, it was maybe two weeks, two or three weeks ago. Sort of <laughs> a long time ago. It was not like it was that long. Remember back in the day when you. No, it was, no, it was actually a face to face sermon. Oh, it was. Yeah. Okay, that was a long it was time a long ago. time ago. Yeah. yeah well, that's like, you were thinking about this this whole march i think yeah anyway so um yeah that's that's been it so uh yeah so works works have always been i think one of those things uh, in 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 christianity at least i'll even say in my denominational my non-denominational denomination is uh the topic of works because there's Mm -hmm. been things where you know i've come into this conflict where people are like oh you know that's that's a work and we're saved by grace that's i think the scripture we'll look at here in a moment in ephesians and so yeah there does come a things there's this story of grace but then there's story of action and i think you know as we look at this you know we see some things that are um i don't know if irony is the right word or it's oxymoron Mm -hmm. that says one thing here but then the second thing it says it kind of goes opposite of what it says and sure enough the bible seems to have those tension points in it and i think here we are trying to ask these questions um are we working enough for god are we doing enough i mean is that sort of the the foundation or how do we know we're doing enough for god are we doing too much and or are we doing too much uh in a sense are we, I said that, doing enough, <laughs> doing enough work. So let's take a look at the scripture. Would you like to read that out of sure. uh, Ephesians? Uh, do you want to go Ephesians first? Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, if you want to hit that one, That's I know fine. you had a couple. Matthew was one. Yep, sure. Uh, so this first one is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Um, so this, uh, this, the verse starts, or the chapter starts, made alive in Christ. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. 
All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Right, so there we go. Uh, We're saved by grace. It's an incredible thing. It's an incredible topic. Uh, I just would jump back and dare say that the 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 idea of grace is something that is in a way hard to put our hands around mm-hmm. as as human beings um and so we do understand and get work um our efforts and so here we have this kind of back and forth you know we're we're saved by grace um it's not because of our the many things that we do. Um, but because of this, the workmanship, we were created in this thing, this grace thing to do good works. Mm-hmm. And so what this reminds me of, and just a story, and I think this is maybe brings up a, a good tension point is, uh, I was driving to church one Sunday morning long ago and I saw a sign on one of those marker boards at a, another church that was gathering. And the sign said, what must I do to be saved? Question mark. And then below it, it said nothing. Now, <laughs> so as I was there, that just kind of caught me. And I thought, okay, now I know or I think I know what they're trying to say. But then I tried to look at it in a way, if I didn't know, I'm a guy who just had a fight with his wife, you know, he, he beats his dog. Um, I'm, I'm running out to the store. I'm so down depressed. I know that my life is empty. I know I have to do something. I know at some point I reached this bottomless, empty pit. And maybe I'm driving along and I have this little prayer, God, if you really are there, what, what's, what do you, what, what do I do? What do you, what's going to save me here? And then I see this sign. What, what can I do to be saved? Well, nothing. You can't do anything. And I almost just saw that like, this is a terrible, because <laughs> it doesn't give this other part of this scripture that we just read to do good works. But how much work? do we have to do? How much good work do we, do we do? Do we get to do in the story? So what are some examples or some things that you've thought about in this conflict of the story of, you know, what's enough? Yeah, I think, you know, I think I mentioned before, like when you were talking about that sign, there was a, um, for some reason I remember I was like in junior high, you know, this, you know, certain things stick out in your mind. And, you know, we didn't have, uh, we didn't have, but I think one channel on TV. And so, you know, mm-hmm. we pretty much locked into whatever was showing. Um, 
But for some reason, I didn't go to church. I don't remember if I was sick or I don't remember uh, what it was. But I remember there was um, like a Christian film that was on. It was a short film. And it was about um, an older boy or high school boy. Like he was like a senior and he was dating a girl who was younger. And um, they, so they dated and, and the boy's dad had died. He went through a really tough time, but he kept his faith. The girl didn't really have faith at all. She wasn't religious or, or anything like that. He would try to get her to go to church, and she just never would and, and things like that. So he went off to college, and she sta- obviously stayed. She um, was still in high school, and so she got into drinking and drugs really bad, and her life kind of bottomed out like you were talking about. And um, so he came back, and she felt guilty, and they kind of had this uh, reunion you know, type thing. And uh, so he takes her to church, and... You know, you, you can see her. She's she's got like the spirit, uh, like it seems to me like the Holy Spirit is trying to tell her to be to be be saved, and um, they were even talking about it going to church that she was going to be baptized, and she chickened out. She was too nervous about going in front of people, and I understand. Um, anyway, long story short, so she didn't go. So the the minister had you know given the invitation song after the sermon for, for those who want to be baptized or, or just confess sins or whatever. She didn't do it. So after church, they were talking. He was like, you know, I thought you were going to do it. She's like, I just couldn't. I just was too nervous. And so anyway, they have a car wreck. The brakes go out on the car. They have a car wreck, and they both die. So this minister comes on and says, uh, we don't have to necessarily get into this, but it's just kind of reminded me of your story. Comes on and said, well, you know, he went to heaven. She didn't. Simple as that because she didn't become saved or so was was her being saved a thought or was it actually an action was it a work so sorry that might have gotten us off on a <laughs> on a rabbit hole but it kind of reminded me of that so i don't you know i've got kind of my own opinions on that in terms of uh, what you have to do to become saved but um there definitely is a contradiction in this which i thought was interesting uh, towards the end of of the chapter, or not the the chapter, but the of verses eight, where it says, "For is it uh, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourself; it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do." So it says, "Not by works," but then it says, "We're supposed to do good works." that God prepared. Um, and also a little bit earlier in the, in the verses, you know, it was talking about, uh, God's mercy, which, you know, to me, I think is a big, it's a big thing to understand, you know, like things that we do for me anyway, I think, uh, the devil is really good at laying guilt and, oh, you're not good enough. You know, you don't need to be going to church because you're not a good enough. Those are all just good people. I don't agree with, but, uh, you know, it's kind of like the gym. You have to be in shape before you go to the gym. No, it's not that at all. But, um, I think that's, you know, for me, I always try to think about, uh, which is hard for me to understand, you know, when you have kids or your family, your spouse, you know, you love them more than you can really describe, but that's nothing compared to how God loves us, which is blows my mind anytime I think about it, but it's true. And so no matter what, 
you know, if you live your entire, in my opinion, if you live your entire life um, as a bad person, you make all of these mistakes, you do all these things, you're, you're not a Christian, uh, but then you decide right before you die that um, you want to change and you become a Christian and you be, decide to be saved. I think that just makes God unbelievably happy. And I think that's where his mercy and his grace comes in. It's, it's difficult for me to understand because, you know, sometimes we hold grudges against people. Um, it's hard to forgive things, but, you know, his ways are greater than ours. And so I just. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that you're, you're, what you're saying is really true here is um, something that people have been asking, what must I do to be saved or what does it take? to get into, you know, this story. And I, I find a lot of people who are frustrated that they would have to actually do something. Right. And then that's their biggest holdup is them thinking, <clears throat> well, if God loves me, I wouldn't have to do anything. But I think the point is here, God doesn't force us to be his kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are his kids. I think we all start out that way. Um, I know the psalm would say, you know, David would, would pray like I was a sinner before I was even born. I was, I've fallen, and then we have the whole Catholic, you know, offshoot of, of baptizing babies and some of the tension that involves there. But, um, you know, you do have someone who maybe they wait till the 11th hour mm-hmm. before they make that decision. I, I think that God is overjoyed in that. Mm-hmm. I think okay. that anyone who would say, oh, yeah you know, they missed it or, you know, maybe God's not happy with them or something. First off, I think God is happy. Two, I think that it's very limiting to believe that heaven only begins after death, that the story of the, the, story of the gospel, the good news, only happens later because it says very clearly that these are good works that were created beforehand for us to do. We all have something to be a part of, and it would almost be like uh, I go back to you know we're talking about kids in a marriage that I would be in relationship with a beautiful lady, and man, it just spends so much time. But I never really, and I'll say you know this is quite a tradition or it's an old fashioned thing, but married her and gave her my name, and lived in the story of good things to do in marriage that we could say we had committed to marriage and had lived as husband and wife for all these years. And then we died after 60 years of marriage versus someone who's like, you know what? We've been living together for 10 years or 50 years or 60 years. Let's get married now. Why? I mean, there's a story that, that was intended to be beautiful, good things, works to do in that story of, husband-wife relationship, getting onto as a Christian, when we yield our lives and accept, I think, identity in Christ, that yes, we are his kids, he's like, okay, you're my kid, I got something for you. From the very beginning, it's not just like, oh, what am I going to do for you? Well, maybe you could mow the grass. I mean, maybe we might have to mow the grass, but I think there was much more. And as you look at your kids, you're raising them, you, I think you go, boy, I, I have some things in mind for them, don't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not like just chores, boy, I, I can't wait for them, I can't wait to punish them, I can't wait to lean over into them to argue. 
the discipline comes for sure. But you have good things in mind for them. Since before they were born, you know, you were dreaming about what they would become. I look at my oldest daughter right now and what she's doing in, in her master's program. And, you know, she, she texted the other day, I got a 98.5 in my two finals that I finished. I'm like, really? This is master's level coursework. It's in psychology. You want to counsel people and you got a 98.5%. That's like a, you know, you could still be wrong, right? No, but I, I was very, she doesn't listen to no, this. I know. I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say that. Um, but again, who would? We we had these dreams of good works, and she's kind of coming along into that. And so, yes, we are saved by grace. So in some ways, that sign going back to that point, or, you know, the story that you're talking about, what, what must I do? Um, and again, I, I think we, we, we all have, you know, what, what is it? Is it? Is it saying a prayer and confessing my sins? Is it baptism? Is it? Um, having um, uh, some type of ritual is it? Um, uh, what's that word I'm trying to think of? When you know you 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 go through the course and you fulfill all of you know the studies and then you confirmation. That's what I was looking oh. for. You've, you've got a confirmation that says you know now, and so you're official. There's a lot of different ways that customs and church traditions and history have decided that, and I think at the end it's best. That we let God decide that, and that along the way we encourage each other as brothers and sisters to be about the good things that God had planned for us from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. If we don't have the relationship there, we don't see any purpose right. of getting into that um, that that story. So those are some of the thoughts that I think of. Um, I'm also thinking of if I can just yeah, I think the relationship bit. is is key. Um, no matter what, you know, we think, uh, I think relationship obviously is, is one of the, is the key to that, of at least starting the process of being saved. Um, one of the things too, I thought was interesting in this passage too, while you're pulling your notes up is, um, <laughs> eight through 10 mentioned boasting, <laughs> which obviously as people were very apt to do. Um, and and the Matthew passage I'll talk about mentions that as well, where, um, you know, you know, we want to brag, I guess, on ourselves about, hey, look at the good things that I've done. You know, I've fed the homeless and uh, given to the needy and done all these things, and it's not it's not about that you know, according to the passages. And so, um, we're supposed to do good things. Uh, we're supposed to help others. Uh, on our journeys, but uh, not necessarily boast about it. And so the, the Matthew passage is, uh, is definitely uh, talks about that as well. Yeah. But uh, we do boast, mm -hmm. I think in other things. Oh, sure. Um, I'm pulling up here. We uh, like to say that we've done more uh, than others. I think that's a human nature. Yeah. We compare ourselves. It's very, you know, a competitive uh, type right. thing. I think we also just want some justification, too, in our own lives. Like, what have I done? I've also, in my job as a minister, I, com I do compare myself. I look at other churches, and I go, oh, they have a 1,000 people going to their church, and you have 10. You know, the odds or the right. percentages are drastically different. Um, 
But it's interesting because you start, when you start comparing, you think, you know, I got to, I got to work more. I've got to do more. Well, God is not, he's invited me into his story. Um, his church has a mission and that mission has me. And I think we turn that around and go, I've got a mission and God is lucky to have me. And I'm just going to sweep this all up. And that gets it backwards, mm-hmm. you know, for me, because there's a lot of stories, I think, and even the, the story of um, the talents, where Jesus gives accordingly to each, you know, as they are able. Um, and what happens in that, of course, you have production that comes along because they just do their thing. Interestingly, the, those who took the risk could have lost that. The one who had 10, who made 10, he could have not had anything. He took a risk. Jesus didn't criticize him for, man, you took a risk and you could have lost this all. Uh, that was a possibility they did it. The one, though, who's like, I know, Master, that you are a hard man and you do all these things, but I just buried what you gave me and I want to just give it exactly back to you what you know you gave to me. And in that way, that guy completely, completely misses it. And so I think, you know, there's, there's that aspect too, that, okay, well, I can't do anything. I'm just going to preserve this. Well, God's, I think, called us into this story, this narrative, the good works that have been planned way before you and I to do something that we could fail. But it's, the question is, does God fail if we fail? I don't think so. I hope not. I don't think God fails. <laughs> right. And so somehow I think we go, oh, God is going to fail in this if I fail. And it's because of our failures that then, you know, these, I think, make God look much better. It's when we're at the end of our rope that we get an opportunity to um, really then see God, what he does in our lives, in our story, in the workmanship that he has given us and that we have this opportunity. I, I think of the the prodigal son story oh, sure. and, um, and I've pulled up the good Samaritan story. So let me go a couple chapters ahead. And in that story, you know, of course you have this young man who's basically wish you were dead. I want my money. I go off. I, I, I ruined his life, right? He's at the bottom of his, uh, rope or in the, in the pit. And he says, um, I, I should go back to my father, um, it says, when he came to himself, this is in uh, Luke chapter 15, uh, verse 17, when he came to himself, I think that's a very important part of that story. <laughs> he met himself at this place in the pit with the pigs, longing to eat the pods there. He comes to himself and he says, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and I will go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as your, one of your hired hands and one of your servants. It's really interesting. So now he's come to himself. He realizes his relationship is broken. He, he broke it. He understands that. Um, and now he's, he knows this is the part that catches me with what you're talking about. He knows his father's business, and he knows that there's work to be done there. 
it, it kind of caught me. He's, he knows that I got to go back and he knows there's work, but he's looking at himself, not in the relationship of son, but of a servant. So what catches me is that even if you're not a child of God, there's still other work to be done. Hmm? And I think we see that. I think we see a lot of people doing a lot of things that include what, what, what is God's and, um, and they're, they're working for God. They might not recognize it, but he's God. And, uh, but then the relationship is the son is coming back. He goes, I'm just going to be no relationship. I'll be a servant. I'm not worthy to be called his son. I think it's interesting that he says, I'm not worthy of that. But then he goes to his father and while he was a long way off, the father sees him and that's still grabs me. Why the father was looking for him. Mm-hmm. Was he, maybe he wasn't. I think he was. He was looking and longing, when will my son, will my son come home today, will my son come home today? And when he did, he runs to him and he embraces him, he grabs a hold of him, kisses him, before this well-thought-out speech of, I've blown it, Mm -hmm. I've sinned, I missed the mark against heaven, against you. And, you know, the the father doesn't go, yeah, you're right, punk. You want to be, look, you should no longer be my son. Uh, I've got a servant shack for you and I want you to just go ahead and jump in there. Um, he doesn't, he embraces him, brings him in. The older brother comes along and is frustrated. And and he says, I've slaved for you. I've been working for you. He never identifies himself as the son of the father. He says he's a slave. I've slaved for you. I've done all this. You haven't even given me a goat for me and my friends. And God was like, everything that, or in the story, I think the father is representative of God. Everything that I've had has been here for you. You know, your brother though was lost. Now he's found. Over and over, there's an identity that's calling this brother. He's your brother, my son. You know, the son recognizes himself as that. Never does the father recognize either of his sons as slaves, except the kids recognize themselves either a slave or a son. Nevertheless, those two, however their story goes, both of them know there's still work to be done. How do we do this relationship um, as kids? Do we do it as slaves or do we do it as sons? And I think if we're doing it an identity of relationship, what we're talking about here, we have great things to do but it's still not based off of whether we get it right or wrong. And we're not going to be judged greater. How come you didn't give me a whole goat for my party? Like I did all this stuff. Didn't you see my works? It's not about that. All that was there for you anyway. And you chose, you like got so caught up and just doing, doing, doing that your works no longer even, you you didn't even see yourself as my kid. That I think is happening. Mm -hmm. And many places of, of the, the story of faith is that people are forgetting that there's sons and daughters of God. They just think this is just a business. Mm-hmm. That's where I get caught in that. Thanks for listening to me land around <laughs> that. What, what do you you're think? Good. No, you're Am good. I, you're good. Yeah. I think, I, yeah, I, I love that. I love that story. Um, I think it's, you know, what's great about the, these stories is that even though they happened, you know, thousands of years ago or at least 2,000 years ago, that um, they, they can still relate to today and 
you know, it's confusing a lot of them that when they're parables that they, <laughs> they're confusing how they're written sometimes, but, but yeah, I've always loved that story. It's great. So we've got, uh, Matthew was another, mm-hmm. uh, one of the scriptures that we were talking about. Did you want to talk about the good Samaritan too? Did you have that or? No, I just, oh, okay. I, it was my lack of Bible knowledge. <laughs> yeah, I right. thought it was in. Yeah, right. The Good Samaritan was in Luke 10, and it's in Luke 15. I'm the poster boy for, for <laughs> lack of Bible knowledge. Um, okay, so Matthew 6, there's a lot of things that relate to Ephesians and talking about boasting and things like that as well, but there's a few verses that talks. Uh, for me, uh, the first uh, verse or set of verses is Matthew 6, verses 9 through 15, then 19 through 21, and 25 through 34. Um, 9 through 15 I thought was interesting because it is talking, you know, in the first part of that, um, you know, it's talking about prayer, and Jesus tells us how to pray. So in verse 9, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men uh, when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men your sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And we can tie that into the, the, the parable of the lost son as well. But I just thought that was interesting about, you know, this is direct instruction from Jesus, I just think. Of course, everybody knows that. Well, not everybody, but, but a lot of people know that prayer. But I just thought it was interesting as well. Uh, and then in verse 19, uh, here's we're talking about works again. Do not store, uh, store up for yourselves treasures on, our, on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store, up yourselves, your, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eyes, the lamp of your body, are of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. Oh, sorry, I went a, I went a verse too long. Um, but again, you know, so, so you're, for me, this, the 19 through 21 here, yeah, don't store up treasures. I mean, that could be, it could be money, which I think it, it probably is. But it could also, I think, be related to works as well, where we do things. We don't do them just for here, but we're doing things. You know, it could be where you're leading other people uh, to God. There's, there's a, a bunch of variations uh, for that. Uh, then the next uh, verses I wanted to go over is 25 through 34. Uh, this one is, uh, do not worry. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you, were, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Uh, is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, um, is thrown into the fire, will, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? 
For the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now that's where, that's where for me is all of a sudden the, the oxymoron of this thing. Mm-hmm. Like, so don't worry about tomorrow because today's got enough worry. Right, exactly. <laughs> trouble, especially in twenty twenty. I know exactly. I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, um, you know, can I not be anxious about tomorrow when I, you know, I'm anxious today? Um, I think there'd be a that this could be a whole another conversation, but I do find it really interesting because we're talking about relationship even in those even back in the beginning of uh the, the 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 prayer the lord's prayer i guess as we have it is our father in heaven mm-hmm. our, our father who's you know you're you're here may your right. or is there may your there be here um right now may may your will there be here you know, and may the two connect. And so how does that connect? I think Jesus is the connecting point for that. Um, but if there is a, again, looking at the prodigal son story, if there is something of kingdom there, um, and if it, we want it to be here, there's still work to be done. There, There is an action to it. But in all of that, you know, we, we're seeing that it's provision of, of the Father, give us our meal, um, and help us, you know, to forgive or forgive our debts, you know, and let us forgive our our, our debtors, um, too. And I, I think it's interesting if we, uh, it says here, for if you forgive others of their trespasses, your your Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others of their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Right. Ah. That's an interesting one. <laughs> it is by grace you were saved. But if you don't forgive. Right. It's a big thing. Yeah. It is a big thing. And I think, again, also, too, it's like it's that call into good works. Forgiveness is a good work. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of studies on people who can forgive. Um, make it much further uh, than those who don't forgive. And I think it was, um, oh, who wrote, um, my mind is blank, 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 blank. Uh, it was a, I think a Jewish, uh, psychologist. He wrote Freud man's nope. Um, man, the the meaning, oh man. The meaning of life. No, that was Monty Python. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let me let me look this up real quick. I'm, uh, anyway, it can tell how important this is to me um, and impacting it is to me. Uh, was a study that this fella had done. Mm-hmm. Um, man's meaning. What is it called? Um, I thought I could just uh, pull it up here real quick. Who is this man? That's not it. Anyway, he dealt, he lived in the Nazi concentration camps and he worked with a lot of Jewish people who'd been in that place. And afterwards he counseled a lot of them. And, and what he did was, was, um, it was a logos, um, 
therapy, I believe, and something that this was this place of them discovering forgiveness of their enemies. Those people who were able to forgive actually made it through like life. Um, many others who attempted to help folks out, you know, there was so much, um, you know, anger, animosity, mm-hmm. a lack of forgiveness that they, you know, a lot of people even lost their life. They just couldn't live. They, they had this huge oppression over them. Uh, I, I think it's Victor Frankl. Now that's coming to me. Mm-hmm. Victor Frankl. Um, let's see here. Man's search for meaning. That's it. That Victor was my second e. guess. Frankel. Was that? <laughs> that was my second guess. <laughs> Finally, I knew if I talked about it. Um, but that was the deal. He had patience, and he was able to teach them to forgive. And those folks, he didn't lose one of his patients um, in that time where many others were. Mm-hmm. And so they were t- taking a look at what did he do? He was teaching people how to forgive. So is that, is that a good work? I think so. And I guess this gets back to when we go back to the first scripture that we read about, are we talking about what we think are works um, or what God thinks are good works? Even in the idea of, are we thinking about how people are saved or is God thinking of how they're saved? You know, at what definition? And, and I've heard you say it. I've said it for me, right? That, those words. Here's what I think. And how I look at this. And again, what is God doing to look at this? What is his um, position? Do you need to cough? <laughs> Not anymore. <coughs> okay. But you did. I did. And, and so this is a good question. Is it heaven's position? Is it look like the earth position? Well, we want heaven to come to earth. Uh, we want God to come to earth. And so in these good works, um, uh, feeding people is good. But what happens if we don't feed people and they die? That's bad. Or, you know, is it? I'll ask that question because for them to die, if in relationship with Christ, you know, they're brought into the glory of God. So it's not as destructive. If we do have the faith in Christ that we know that life is for eternity, and for those in that identity of, of grace that we get to be with God in eternity, death is swallowed up, according to Paul. It has no victory. There has no sting. And so we, we know that there's more. So it's just interesting as we're talking about this, you know, what, are, what is the work? Are we looking at that God has a mission and his mission has you and I? Or are we looking at it as like, I've got a mission to accomplish and here's what it's going to be. I'll hold up my sign, I'll feed these people, I'll curse this, you know, and, and anti that, and, you know, um, protest Netflix, because that's the work God's called me to. And maybe that completely misses the work God's called you. Those are works, and can those things, you know, can we do all those things? Absolutely, for sure. Can they lead to some great conversations or not? Sure. But I guess it's just really what is the good work that God's calling us to? Um, so, yeah. But uh, in that, may our works maybe not create as anxiety in us? Um, I think a good work is to get on the internet and start arguments. <laughs> yeah. Don't ask anybody to explain this to you. What does this mean to you exactly? 
I made that mistake. Um, yeah, I think I've said that before, but I always cringe. <laughs> Anytime I see anything religious on my Facebook feed, especially if it's, you know, put out by like a newspaper or something. Right. 60% of Christians believe this. And I'm just, I have to, I don't know why I don't ever comment, but I have to look <laughs> and it's, you know, how many seconds will it take to find anyway? Right. But, and again, that's where some people think that we're doing a good work. I am called to do this. And again, especially in this time, I would say that in our, our, our current context and political and our society with all the things that are going on, there's a lot of people thinking they're doing a good work. And uh, I, would, I'm, I would pose, I would push on this question, is that, um, is it God's work? Um, and I, I, if I open my mouth and keep talking, I'm going to say something that is going to throw the tension of politics and religion all in one sentence. And then people are going to, they'll send me hate mail <laughs> and we haven't even given an address, but I know people would find me and I would hate mail. Hate comments. <laughs> hate comments on this. But, um, that's just, you know, stirs up the question is that a lot of people believe I'm doing good works here. And, and. Is it? Yeah, you know, I mean, I could go down a rabbit hole with, you know, if you think you're doing right, and if it's biblical in your eyes, I mean, can you, you know, as long as you're not hurting someone else, you know, I've got my own opinion on that. But um, I don't know. I, I mean, you know, in terms of works, you know, I'm not comfortable going up to someone on the street and saying, hey, have you heard the good news? I'm just, I've never been that. Um, so. You know, I think I think the works relates to individual people um, in terms of of spreading the gospels and uh, and making disciples. I, I know that there's different ways of doing that, and I think you know people with their different gifts that they've been blessed with. I think they can do. I can do this sort of, <laughs> but but you know, going up to a random stranger, you know, because nowadays there's there's no telling what would happen. But you know, I've gotten to the point where where Christianity and any type of, not just Christianity, but any type of religious, um, like if someone gives, gets up and gives a, a speech, a celebrity or something, and they mention God, I'm like, whoa, you know, that's a big thing. I mean, is that a work? I mean, to me, I think it is because they, that may give someone, um, you know, celebrities have so much influence. I mean, look at the Kardashians. But I mean, but they really do. I mean, I've never looked at the Kardashians. Stay tuned. So Three episodes from now, we'll talk about <laughs> the Kardashians, but probably not works. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, that could lead someone, you know, like I'm like Denzel Washington, outwardly outspoken Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he he did a graduation speech. I can't remember. It was a, I think it was a few years ago. Uh, at Dartmouth, I think it was at Dartmouth, and then I know Fred Rogers did as well. Right. Um, just incredibly powerful speeches. That to me, that is a work because it could possibly lead someone. It could lead someone, you know, to um, to do something else. Simply just do something else good for someone. But anyway. yeah. And again, I think <clears throat> we're t- we're talking about good works. Um. And Jesus, obviously, with the disciples, they're like, hey, those guys aren't with us. 
They're over there. They're baptizing in, in our name, Jesus, your name. Jesus, you're with us. What about them? Should we call lightning down on them? And just like, no, 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 no. Let's not, that's not a good idea. It's my paraphrase. Because <laughs> if they're speaking in my name, they're for us and they can't say anything bad against us. And, and that's been really interesting when we're talking about this story of Jesus. And, and I've mentioned this before in, in some of the lessons we've done you know, recently. There, there are a lot of people who will say God, but very few who will say Jesus. Now, that's caught my attention today. And people who are doing good works for God, but very rarely do you hear them use the name of Jesus. And so I'm like, okay. This is very interesting. It's it's it is part of the narrative I think that we're looking at, and and but <clears throat> excuse me, I think this leads up to, and I think we can kind of wrap up here with this final scripture out of John three sixteen. And did you have have in mind just John three sixteen? Just 3:16 that. I think or? It, I think it covers a lot. Okay, especially with all we've been talking about tonight. Yeah. So, uh, you know, John, of course, is is uh, not like the other three Gospels. Uh, those are the synoptics. They mm-hmm. look and sound very familiar. They may or may not include all of the stories, but they have a lot of the same stories. But John's got a lot of not the same stories. And the way that he includes them and the language and the audience that he's talking to, it's quite a bit different in time. And so I think when we look at John, he's really giving us this refreshed look at the story of Jesus and including things that again that were not included in the other three gospels. And so here in John chapter 3:16 very familiar the banner man scripture of it all. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I'm just going to read 17 because I think it's it's profound to this. And we stop there, but this is it. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him, through Jesus. And so, yeah, that's to me, this is the relationship. This is the story. Whoever believes in Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, um. And this is where people like, you know, you got to do A, B, C, and D, and then you're saved. Mm-hmm. You can't just believe, because later in the Bible it says, even the demons believe and they shudder. You know, people kind of backfire this, or they're like, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, right? We have this. If you believe in Jesus, you do the things of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Flat out, in his name, the things that he spoke about in Matthew 25 the good works that were previously planned for us, if we are believing in Jesus, we get into the idea of God's mission and the story of those previous planned good works for us to do. And we do those things. We do them. We don't try to pick apart those who don't do it the way that I think it should be done. We do the good work. And I I think too many times we can get distracted and slave and not relationship son daughter wise live in that way to do those good works and i just absolutely believe this stand behind it completely do i get it do i feel comfortable with it maybe not and maybe i shouldn't feel comfortable with it but absolutely if this is written so that we might know god that we might know jesus his son um who saves the world you know this should be the end all 
be-all for us, that, uh, that, that we are people that if we believe in him, we should not perish but have eternal life. Right. And, then, you know, like you said in 17, I mean, he didn't, it doesn't say to those who deserve it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's everyone. So everyone has the opportunity, which I think is, is important to remember. Even, <laughs> even if you don't feel like you deserve it, even if you, uh, other people don't think you deserve it, you still deserve it. Right. And you deserve it. That's, I think, this idea of the ground beneath grace is that's where we are. We're on the ground, um, and being below grace doesn't mean that it's out of reach or touch. I just think it's, it's the thing that is above us always, and um, it's there to it's grab. my favorite from. word. Yep. There you go. So, do you think you have to do works to get in, or do you think that's the most important thing? Am I putting you on the spot? You're putting me on the spot? Am, or I, am I putting you on the spot? <laughs> Listen, listeners, please oh, tell our us. Opinion. I, I, yeah, I think, I think it's important to do works, but I don't think it's the be-all, end-all thing. I mean, if you're not, ever, I think everyone is blessed with certain gifts, and there are works that you can do that are important that, like I said, are not, not necessarily you going up on the street to strangers and shouting at them, the end is near, and things like that. Generally, I don't think those work, but yeah, that's just me. <laughs> and I, I would take the position that if you are living in relationship and you're knowing the Father, you're growing in that relationship, you understand what the Father is up to, that he's given us Jesus to show us these things. And again, I was in prison. You didn't visit me. I was naked. You didn't clothe me. I was hungry. You didn't feed me. When did we see that? You know, the disciples are those asking, you know, whenever you didn't do this for the least of these, you didn't do it for me. I think the story is not about how much work do we do, and, and if I do enough, that gets me in. It's that if I'm living in relationship, if I'm living by the grace that saves me, if I realize this good news of, of I, like the prodigal son, am a son, and that it's always been here, is that we just move forward, and I think we end up doing good works, and we don't even know or keep a measure of what those are. We just do. God is about good works, and we get an incredible story to share when we do. And I, I could say, you know, you could tell me a, a good work story that you did. And, and I could be encouraged by that and maybe even further that along and start a charitable program or do something because I, I was inspired by that. Does that mean that you're now better or I'm better? You inspired the idea of a good work that you did, but I went on to create a multi-million dollar networking company that touched the world because of that story. It's still God's story. It's still his work that he created for us to be a part of. And that's where I think, is this God's work or is it our work? If we're doing it in our work, um, we can never do enough. We'll always be doing something. Um, if we're doing God's work, I think that we, um, it, it, it just is a beautiful story of sons and daughters doing the Father's will. So, um, again, if you love God, if you love Jesus, your nature is to do good works. That's where I would stand. 
Agreed. We appreciate all of you who have been eagerly waiting for us to post these uh, new podcasts, and we're excited to get back at it. We hope you guys have a great day or a week until we meet again. Bye, everyone. Goodbye.